Hey guys, I'm Sierra, your host here on Shades of Brilliance, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. This has been a passion project of mine for, oh my gosh, years. Anybody that knows me knows I have always been a talker. I was the kid in class turned against the wall because I could not stop talking. And you know what? I'm glad I persisted because this is my life now. This is my career now. I went into communications, shocker, shocker. So let's talk a little bit about what Shades of Brilliance is going to be about since this is episode one. I am a 20-something creative professional who's trying to navigate the world of creative direction this creative industry, the fashion industry. There is so much that goes on in this dynamic world, and it is really hard to break through. So that's firstly what Shades of Brilliance is about. But Shades of Brilliance is also about living life in color. I believe that anybody who is creating a life is creative. I think people are innately creative, but we are just disconnected from that sense of self. We are all creative. So everybody belongs here. If you want to hear engaging interviews, fun conversations about this industry, and a lot of personal anecdotes, this is the place for you. Today is going to be all about my journey towards living a more colorful, creative life. And that for me started at fashion school. So welcome. Let's talk about it. I'm just going to dive right in. I don't see any any shame in waiting here. So if I could just bring you back to 18-year-old me. Actually, I was 17 when I went to college for the first time. I started school when I was four. So that's just a little fun fact about me. So I'm off to college, still a minor. I was turning 18 that September, but basically still a minor. So, I mean, I still don't really understand the world, but I was so excited to have that idyllic college experience. That's all I wanted. I wanted the tailgates and the frat parties, the red solo cups. I mean, that to me was where I was finally going to belong in the world. And that might sound silly, but I think all of us secretly want that. I think that is why college is a big industry. I'm sorry, but anytime tuition can be $80,000 a year, yeah, there's a market there. So, you know, I, I was ready. If you're new here, I'm from Virginia originally. So it just felt like a big kumbaya, a belonging. I was finally going to have my family in my backyard and just be back to my roots. Anybody that's from the South or from even the Southeast, Virginia's the Southeast, knows that you are so connected to where you're from. I just longed for Virginia. I had lived in New Mexico for like 17 years. Actually, that's a lie. Probably more like eight years. But half of my life, I was in New Mexico. So I was always caught between these two states and these two coasts. Where did I belong? Who was I? And going to JMU was finally putting my stake on the East Coast. It was like, I'm a Virginian. I'm going to belong here at this college. It was perfect. Like everything was as I wanted it to be. And I start my journey, you know, if you're... If you know anything about JMU, they have a freshman year orientation called Frog Week. Um, It literally stands for freshman year, or what does it stand for? Yeah, freshman, oh God, I don't even know. But basically, it's like summer camp for the first week. Your parents drop you off, you're really emotional, and then all of a sudden your camp counselors, really, the RAs, 
are like knocking on your door. Let's go play games. (laughs) So I'm like, where am I? Like it was so fun. And that's one thing I will say about JMU is they do orientation so well. Like I know so many people who've spent so much money and time at college and never felt like they belonged. JMU was all about community. It was all about meeting your future people. So I was just right where I wanted to be. Everything made sense. I was a psych major. My mom wanted me to be a lawyer and I was like, absolutely not. I loved psychology and I was just having fun getting to meet everybody. I rushed. If you're new here, that means I joined a sorority. It's not as simple as that. And the sorority experience could be an entire season. I mean, it was a very dynamic part of who I am and was the catalyst to finding fashion school. So have a great first semester on campus. Everything is great. I am going to frat parties. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. Went to the frat parties, meeting all my friends, and just like finally thriving. Then all of a sudden, we go on spring break in 2020, and the school is like, don't come back. (laughs) This thing called COVID came crashing down. So you can imagine my sense of belonging was ripped apart. And everybody, including myself, was trying to figure out how we could go back to normal. I did have an inkling that that was not exactly where I needed to be, you know, focused on the past, but I didn't know how else to emerge. I just knew I was supposed to be here, so I'm going to hold on to it. Come sophomore year, so now we're in the later part of 2020, and the school has notified us, or maybe it's 2021. No, I think, yeah, it's 2020. No, it's 2020 still. Oh my gosh. What a blur of a time. I'm going back to school to JMU for my sophomore year. And the school is like, hey, we put stickers on the floor that says stand six feet apart. Everything will be fine. If you don't kiss anybody, you'll be fine, right? Like nobody really knew what COVID was at this time. So of course, I go live in the house, the sorority house. And again, I'm bypassing all kinds of sorority details. That could be an entire episode. And I probably will make an episode about that because it was miserable. And it was the first time in my life when I realized how much energy I actually gave to get people to like me or get people to see me or get people to think about me in a certain way. It was control, totally control. And also just desperation. It had to do with that sense of belonging. I had this hole. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And this was the place I was going to finally find it, right? So I'm living in the house. We all get COVID within three weeks. Oh my God, probably the first week we were there, we got COVID. We didn't really know it. All of a sudden, I can't smell. I can't taste. And this is like prime COVID. So all of the schools around the country that open back up again are shutting down, you know, basically saying everything's online. Just kidding. Sorry. And I'm living in the sorority house and it's different. It's, it's one thing to be a part of an organization and it's a different thing to live with the organization. Like when you can't leave these people, oh my God. So I'm, and I don't want to, I don't want to trash on them too badly because, well, let me just move on. It was a complex situation. I'm definitely omitting a lot of the nuance. 
all you have to know is I felt lonely. I felt isolated. The hole was getting bigger. The hole in my identity was getting larger and I didn't know what to do. So I have COVID now and I'm quarantining in my room, which by the way, our sorority house is old. So it's cinder block walls. Like I felt like I was in prison, like literally in prison, wasn't eating anything. I had the kind of COVID that suppressed your appetite. So was not eating. And that is so not true. That is like not me. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a foodie times 10. I've never in my life been through anything where I could not find a recess to eat. I mean, truly. So I'm just down in the dumps, like truly in the dumps. And I was trying to emerge and I was trying to pull myself up. And at this time in the organization, I was finally kind of, I think, approaching myself as a leader. I had done some like speaking engagements for the organization. And I just felt like, why don't I feel right? So my mom being in healthcare, she tells me, get on a plane the second that you're cleared and come home because she's losing her mind. My, my baby is across the country from me and has COVID. So I fly back home. And while I'm home, I'm like, I can't go back to JMU. Like it's setting in for me that it's just not me. And when we take downtime, in other words, when God makes you get still, I don't want to get super, super religious on here, but whatever higher power is up there, when they want you to realize something, oh, you'll be by yourself. So I am spiraling. Like, this is not me. I don't feel like myself. And I went through the other round. I was on the other side of recruitment now. So year one, I went through recruitment. Year two, I'm on the other side of recruitment, essentially going through the process of what it's like to admit girls in or not. And it was the final straw, like one of the most inhumane feeling experiences of my life. And I was like, yeah, this isn't it, especially as a black person. Like our history with slavery, what, who am I to say no? Who am I to say that you're not good enough? Like, are you kidding me? So it was, it was an attack on my core. I completely felt like an imposter now. And all I ever wanted was belonging. So I'm like, how did I even get here? I drop out of the organization. Everybody like clockwork unfollows me one by one by one by one by one, or most of them, because it's all fake, right? So they say one thing, they do another. And that right there, that pattern, I recognized that the say one thing, do another, the actions misaligning, that was familiar to me with some of my upbringing in my past. And I was like, oh yeah, this is over. They didn't want me to drop out. They were begging me to stay. Everybody loves you. Everybody appreciates you. Please, please, please. And I was like, no. And it was the first time I really ever stood up for myself and really ever like stood behind my thoughts and stood in who I was. So flash forward, I go back to campus for semester two of my sophomore year because I'm like, I still want to give JMU a try. I move all my stuff out of this sorority house and across the street to an apartment. (laughs) That's one of the things about big schools with a lot of money is they have a lot of resources. Like FITM could never, okay? There was dorms on dorms on dorms, apartment concepts, things like that, which that could be a whole other podcast episode, you know, where these schools get their money from and the fact that they develop all of these schools in small towns. That's a whole other podcast, but 
Regardless, I'm in this apartment now. I'm by myself for the first time. So again, I'm alone. My roommate across the hall from me had friends. Like she had her whole little COVID bubble. So she was partying with them, right? If you had five people, you were only going to stay around each other. You could stay around each other. Like that was the vibe back then. Before we knew about particle spreading and all that kind of stuff. So now it's like a snowy, wintry Virginia winter. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm depressed. The only class I had in person at this time was art. So I was going in once a week for fine art class. And I don't even really like fine arts, you know, in terms of like building my career on fine arts. But it was the only thing that connected me to who I was. It was like the one little light that was shining. And then I started taking pictures. I started like putting clothes on and, oh, I should have a blog. Like it, I snowballed with all these ideas when I was finally rested and by myself. It was the coolest thing. So now I'm like, okay, I have to transfer. Like it's dawning on me that like JMU isn't it. And if you've ever left something, walked away from something, a boyfriend, a situation, an organization, whatever, you know that when all the doors feel like they're closing in on you, it's time to go. It's such a soul piercing feeling. I was walking around campus. It was a ghost town because everybody, a lot of people didn't come back to campus because why would you pay to be on campus when there's nothing going on? So yeah, so people are walking around or nobody's walking around. I'm I'm on campus alone. And I'm like, this is a ghost town. I took the bus to Walmart. I was just like living alone and it felt so scary. And all I could think about was interior design. So back to freshman year for a second, I had this theory that I wanted to be an interior designer. My psych teacher, one of my psychology professors, love her to death. She told me about environmental psychology. I was like, what is that? She goes, oh, well, it's kind of like the psychology of of interiors, like studying how environments impact people. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like it just struck me as interior design. I told everybody I was going to be an interior designer. I went to um, another administrative at the school and I told them about it. And they said, oh, you'll be living out of your car. You'll be poor. It'll never work for you. So I put it to rest. Like I was always outsourcing my ideas to the wrong people. And I just, it, it, it was over before the thought even started. So now that I'm alone, back to sophomore year, now that I'm alone, I'm finally like, oh, interior design. Where could I do interior design? And I realized through a Google search that you can go to fashion schools for a number of different things. You can learn regular art stuff at fashion school. And I was like, okay, that is what, like it hit me. I started writing every night in my journal. I am so excited to be at fashion school. Oh, I love fashion school. Thank God. I'm so glad I'm here. It is so fun to be in New York because the school I wanted to go to is called FIT in New York. I was like, that's it. I'm going to New York. So I start telling my family and they're like, what? Like, okay, sure. And I'm so thankful that none of them ever really said anything about it because I probably wouldn't be here. I was still strengthening my investment in myself, you know, listening to my voice. So all of a sudden I'm back in this little depression. Like I figured out these things that I want to do. I don't know how to get there. 
And I'm like, everything's still online. What am I going to do? The only thing that got me out of bed was the thought of moving out. And that will happen sometimes in your life. The only thing that gets you out of bed is the thing that you've, you've been putting off, the thing that you have been avoiding. So I get up and I take an Uber to Home Depot and I buy all these boxes and I go across the street to Ross and I buy a suitcase and I'm like, perfect, I'm moving out. I call my grandma. She helps me move all my things out. I moved it down four flights of stairs, by the way, because they had no carts available the day I was moving out. Like that, that is how the enemy will try to sabotage you. And again, I hate with like the Christian rhetoric, but you get what I'm saying. Like sometimes the universe or these dark forces will come in to try to bring you back to where you were. So I moved all of my stuff out one by one down four flights of stairs and I flew back home. My flight ticket was $333. Talk about angel numbers. I'll never forget that. And I get back to New Mexico and I'm like, hey, mom, I'm here. Can you come pick me up? And my mom's like, what? Like nobody believed me. Nobody understood how dead ass I was. So (laughs) now I'm in New Mexico. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I never even really applied to FIT. I learned through the application process that I would have had to start all the way over again. So all of my credits, my 60 something credits, of psychology they couldn't accept, which makes sense, right? Like their programs are completely modeled differently because it's specific creative industry stuff. So now I'm like, I can't start over. It just, and I, but something told me it's going to be fine. So flash forward to May, I'm working at H&M and I'm like, mom, let's go to San Diego which is such a random thought process because we've never been to San Diego. Like I've, I had never been to California or I had, but I had been to like San Francisco. Like when we go to the beach, it's Florida hands down. So this was like a random trip. We drive there 12 hours. Oh my God. And when we get to San Diego, everybody's telling me, Oh my God, I love your nails. You're from LA. Aren't you like five different waiters, people in this, I was, we were in La Jolla too. So it's like a super bougie area. We didn't even really realize that. And everyone's like, oh, you're from LA. You're from LA. They keep mentioning LA. And I'm like, we have to go. Something told me this is the answer. Like clarity is coming. Let's make the drive. So we drive to San Diego. It took like an hour and 45 minutes because no, this was still kind of COVID vibes. Like it was probably 2021 now. So COVID vibes were still happening. And in California, that trek from San Diego to LA is a really quick, but it the traffic takes so long. There wasn't that much traffic because of the COVID stuff. So I'm like, mom's like, what are we going to do when we get there? I'm like, I don't know. Let's go to this thing called FITM. I had heard of this school called FITM. And I was like, I don't know. Something about it is interesting. And I think I put in like one part of the application. Like I barely filled out the first form. The like, what's your name? How old are you? All that kind of basic questionnaire stuff. I'm like, let's just go see this school. My mom's like, okay. So we pull up to fit them and I walk in and I'm like, hey, I'm here to walk around the, ca- I just want to walk around the campus. I'm just going to look around real quick. And the security guard is like, what? 
which if you have ever been to a big city, you can't just walk into any building and go upstairs. Like, no way, Jose. So I'm like, oh, I'm just here to walk around. He goes, do you even know anybody here? Like, if you can give me a name of somebody, I'll call and see if they know you. So I'm like, okay. And I give them the name of this person that I saw in my email. Because when I had filled out that first form, it gave me this like automatic email response to a woman. I tell him the woman's name. He calls her. She happens to be on campus. Keep in mind, it's still COVID times. So the school was only open one day a week. Like this was a complete miracle that I even went on that day. At that time, she was there. It was crazy. And she comes downstairs. The elevator's open and she goes, Sierra, I cannot believe you're here. And I'm like, how does she know me? Like, I don't, what? She goes, I saw your application. Let me give you a full tour. So she's just eager to give me this full tour of the school. We're going floor to floor. And if you've ever been to Fitham, when those doors open on the second floor and you see all the Dior, you know, all the drawings and all of the fashion stuff, I was like, yes, 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 yes. Like everything was hitting. She was like, VCOM, you look like a visual communication student. If you're somebody who's never quite been able to put your finger on creative, you're not fine arts, but you want to be a stylist. You want to be a set designer. You want to dabble in PR. You want to do trend forecasting. You want to, you know, try all of these different things and build a big career. That's you. And I was like, where do I put my name? I'm here. This is it, boo. So completely aligned to my destiny at this point. Nobody can tell me otherwise. It was wild. And I made my way to fit them that October. And get this. Every single credit, every single credit was transferred. I never even had to start over. I never had to retake a class. You guys, it was God. Like no, no school. Fitim was the only school. Well, is, sorry, it still exists. Fitim is the only school that I knew of at that time that, that would accept transfers. They had an excellent transfer program. I essentially got my bachelor's in an accelerated program in two years. Like, I can't even, I can't. So moral of the story here, and here's why I tell this story as the first episode of Shades of Brilliance. You already know who you are. The more you go outside of yourself to find yourself, you will never feel like you've arrived. Never. When I found myself at FITM, I was like, this is the next step. I didn't feel like I belonged. You know, I didn't feel like I was trying to engulf myself in this new thing. I just felt like I could be myself. And it was hard. You know, I have a lot of L.A. stories that I can talk about on this podcast. You know, L.A. is not easy. If New York is hard, L.A. is final boss. I mean, I'm serious. But I really got an opportunity to explore who I was and show up as me. Because I found it. Like, I went inward. I went home. And had I never dropped out of that sorority, had I never started that catalyst 
of removing things from my life that had nothing to do with who I was, I would not be sitting here. I wouldn't have a podcast. So I'm seeing in color. I'm living my life. So since my journey towards FITM, I have now completed my degree in visual communications. And for anybody who doesn't understand what that means, because I get it, it sounds so bizarre. It is the process of creating concept. Like that's really what I learned. We did a lot of analysis, a lot of media study. My favorite course, the first course I ever had at FITM and in my um, experience as a designer was color theory. And I just came alive. Like my entire educational journey from age four all the way to 20, I never felt smart. And I was told frequently that because I couldn't do calculus or because I didn't understand it at a certain depth that I was not smart. And I'm at this school getting straight A's, like without even really trying. Like I need you to understand that. And fashion school is hard. I know people act like it's, oh, well, it's a specialty, whatever. It's not. It is extremely difficult. And it pulls from intuition. Like it really is not something that, like it's a skill that can be developed for sure understanding creative and pulling and tapping into parts of yourself. But those of us that do it naturally, like everybody that I was around at fashion school was also told the same thing. So I found this cohort of people who belonged. Like there was no search for belonging. We all belonged to ourselves. And we were kind of the misfits, which I hate to say that because I don't think we're misfits, but I think in society's terms, a lot of the misfits were at fashion school. The the people that were told, oh, well, you're not that bright or, oh, well, and we were all in this community together exploring really our own identities. So it was extremely uplifting. And we're going to talk to a lot of those people on this podcast. All of my like besties from fashion school will be on here, kind of will be going into what they're doing. I have friends who are in the music industry. I have friends who are stylists. I have friends who are in trend forecasting. I have friends who are in all different parts of VCOM and the visual space. So we're going to hear from them. It'll be a fun insight to anybody who's on the outside of the creative industry. Hopefully you'll learn that you are creative and that you can build whatever life you want. It is an incredibly vulnerable process that has such an impact on the way you see yourself. And that's what this is about. Shades of brilliance is about everybody being brilliant. And me understanding for the first time at 20, 21, 22, that I am brilliant. I'm not actually 22 yet, but <laughs> we're all brilliant. And it's the shades that make us brilliant. It's the different colors. It's the different way we see things. It's the difference. That's what I wasn't understanding at JMU was that I was different. I was on a different path. I was not meant to graduate with a bachelor's in psychology. And I use psychology to this day. It it was not about psychology. I actually had some of my best teachers in college at JMU were my psychology professors, one of them which gave me an incredible letter of recommendation for FITM. She told me, Sierra, this makes so much sense for you. And I want you to soar and become who you are. And that never left me. My art teacher from JMU wrote me another letter of recommendation. 
She said, that is incredible. Go for it. So there were people along this journey that saw who I was, even those people in the sorority. I still have friends in that sorority. So it just goes to show that life is messy and we're all just trying to walk each other home. We're all trying to determine who we are. And that's the journey. I can tell you as somebody with a bachelor's in visual communications, there is no eventual goal. There is no final resting place. Like we are always going to be developing who we are. There is no definition. There is no, it's it's not defined. Like you are always going to be growing and changing and leaning into that evolution is exactly what I saw at fashion school. And that's what I did. So that is the full story of my journey to fashion school and really back to myself. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. We have new episodes every Friday. And there's a lot more where that came from, including really funny LA stories. Like I have insane LA stories. So this podcast will be worth it, even if you're just trying to see what LA is like. Um, It's insane, but also fun and wild. So with that said, I'll see you next week. Bye.